Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed, and we are joined. <laughs> Thank, we're thankful this that time of year. That was a couple year. weeks ago, thankful. Well, I'm thankful every day, actually, and we're thankful that Julie Weisenhorn is with us. Yeah. And I know our listeners are thankful for hi, all the hi, help hi. they get from you. How have you been in the last couple of weeks? Man, I'm tired. Are you? <laughs> it's been really busy. Just because you're doing shopping? or uh, No, work has been so busy. We've ah. been busy with that. And then all this driving this week, like, uh, you know, remembering how to drive on ice and well, Julie, dealing the, with everybody else. <laughs> well, this is stressful in that, yeah. in that regard, too. But, you know, we, we think of uh, Lawn and Garden Talk, like our Smart Garden Show here, that we're just sitting back waiting for spring. But you guys at the University of Minnesota yeah. are busy. This is the time of preparation, isn't it's it? It's a... Seven day a week, twenty four hour a day job. Who would have thunk? <laughs> yeah, but boy, what a great job! It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing that uh, we get to do at the University of Minnesota and Extension Horticulture. Yeah. It's just a really fun. It's such a popular subject that no matter where you go, <laughs> dry cleaners, <laughs> hardware store, somebody asks you a question about gardens. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and it's, it's fun. Is yeah, it? You think it's because of where we live, or would this happen like in Los Angeles too? I mean, well, uh, my theory is is we have such a short growing season that yeah. we have to make the most of it. So people are already thinking about, you know, once they get past Christmas, they're thinking about, okay, what am I going to do in my yard next year? What is it I have to do? What did I forget to do? What do I want to do? What do I need to change? Um, they're seeing all this stuff on, you know, from our great garden centers and our growers here in Minnesota, and they're talking about local plants and local foods, and, and people get excited about that. So we have great coverage in the media and and uh, and we have this awesome garden yeah. show. This is fantastic. Thanks to you guys. Yeah, yes. thanks to you guys. And thanks to our friends Thank at Buy the Art Patio Furniture for sponsoring Absolutely. this every single week. Thank we you appreciate so much. That. Yes, thank you, Buy the Art. And thank you if you want to call in your question like some folks are doing already, 651-989-9226, your lawn and garden uh, question, or by uh, text. I can see that uh, we're already getting some text messages. 81807. Now, we can pick up on a question for Jack Farrell. <laughs> yeah, you wanted yeah. to answer that. We, a text, we didn't have time for that uh, for Jack, but the text is what would be a good uh, not sweet wine to serve with an orange glazed pork chops? Also, what is good with lasagna? What would you do with the orange glazed pork chops? You think? I would choose a Riesling. A Riesling for that. Yes, or one of our nice uh, local white wines from uh-huh. Minnesota. We have some uh, terrific. Uh, Grapes that are bred at the University of Minnesota and also in conjunction with other universities that are terrific choices. So local wines are also fun to try. Yeah. And also for the lasagna, I'd go for the uh, for Robust. the for the uh, uh, um, Sangiovese. 
Yeah, for the that Chianti. would be great. Okay? That would be great. There you go. So we picked up yeah. some of Jack Farrell's. Jack Farrell's tarot. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I tell you what, Diane is calling from Lakeville, though, with a lawn or garden question, I believe. Go ahead, Diane. Thank you. Yes, uh, Julie, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Question about orchids. I received a smaller orchid, and then I have a larger one. Well, the original blooms have fallen off, and I keep watering them, but I was wondering if there is something special I should do to try to see if they will bloom again. Well, I think uh, one of the important things with orchids is to make sure that they drain well. So when you water them, make sure they're in a sink and they're draining completely. These are uh, plants that have air roots, and uh, they don't like to necessarily be— If I'm guessing these are planted in bark. And, uh, yeah. and so they do like to dry out somewhat. You don't want to overwater them. So if they're sitting in a—if they're a pot in a pot, um, you want to take that— uh, the main pot out and make sure that drains well. Um, other than that, there's not, you can do a little bit of dilute fertilizer, but if they're not blooming or sending buds, then just you're just really working to keep the uh, leaves healthy and the roots healthy. And so watering on a regular basis, maybe every week to 10 days, uh, putting it into a bright window, that's a good uh, practice, especially with our limited light that we have right now. And uh, and just making really making sure that it drains well. That's one of the most important things. All right, very good. That's how it works. By phone six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or call, send Julia text eight one eight zero seven. How to kill bamboo? The texture says. <laughs> how to kill bamboo? Uh, well, I take it that this is bamboo growing outside, not the lucky bamboo uh, that grows indoors. Um, really, you're going to want to use a, uh, 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 an herbicide that is, uh, tr- that's for woodier plants. And so you want to look for a label that uh, maybe for brush or shrubs uh, and, and make sure that that is what you're using to treat those. And you want to cut that in the spring and then treat those stumps with that. Texter, by the way, again, that number is 81807. Texter says, is it time to cover perennials? Uh, yes, you could be covering your perennials now. Um, most people have covered them by now because we've raked up our leaves, and a lot of people will use those leaves as coverage. So you can you could certainly cover them now, yes. Our phone number, by the way, we have a line open at 651-989-9226. Uh, hi, Julie. Texter says, I would like to grow plants for experiments with students. What seeds are fast-growing and stay compact? I have tried beans, peas, and corn. I would wonder what the experiments are. Mm. That would be the first question. Um, Certainly some of our flowers grow pretty quickly. They do need uh, warmth and they need light. Uh, So zinnias grow quite easily. Marigolds grow quite easily. Uh, Cosmos, those are really quite tall. Those would probably be a little bit too tall for what you want. But um, you can get different varieties. I would take a look at some of the seed catalogs out there and look for the description of the plant that you like, like compact, you know, certain height. Uh, quick growing, fast growing, and uh, and then also we have a great publication on our extension site on how to start seeds, and that might be something you want your students to read so that they understand how to do that. And uh, you can find that on extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab and go to the section on vegetables, and you will find uh, right at the beginning some general information, and there's information on starting seeds. Obviously another educator. That's kind of fun, though. That yeah, that's that great. We love yeah. working with our teachers. Absolutely. 
Does it matter? Texter says, how far back I trim my hydrangea tree. Well, if it's a hydrangea tree, uh, yes, it does, because you certainly don't want to trim it so far back that you cut it down. I mean, that's kind of going the extreme. But um, I would uh, I would wait to trim it in the spring because right now you probably still have some blossoms on it, and that gives you some good winter interest along with that kind of lollipop shape of the hydrangea. I'm guessing this is on a standard. And... Um, and then uh, you just want to cut back to the next living bud when the buds start to emerge. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Mark in Minnetonka has been waiting. Uh, good morning, Mark. What's your question for Julie? Yes, um, chives. I've tried everything that kind of killed chives. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So chives are a bulb. They're in the allium family, like onions and garlic. And uh, and the, probably you can do a couple things. One is you want to deadhead those plants before the bloom sets seed. So when the blooms are purple, just give them a haircut, cut off all the flowers, and that will prevent them from seeding. And then just digging them up, because they're bulbs, they're really self-contained. They're not going to have runners of roots that, that will go all over. So it's really getting those uh, plants deadheaded before they set seed and the seeds travel all over your yard. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Julie, we have to take a break. Let's do that quickly. Uh, there's a line open if you want to use the phone to ask Julie your question, 651-989-9226, or send us a text, 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on A3OWC. So sponsored every <laughs> week by, by the yard. <laughs> A box. We're talking. We're talking garden stuff. Sorry, I interrupted the no, ad no, no. there. No, that's all right. Sponsorship. That's good. not at all. They don't <laughs> mind at all. They love the show. Too. <laughs> Julie Weisenhorst with us from the University of Minnesota, Yay. helping you out here by phone and by text. And let me give you the phone number. There's a line open: six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. We'll get back to that uh, screen, that uh, text screen, in a moment. But yeah, there's a few there. Yeah, Tony and Lindstrom is calling in. We want to get Tony's question. Tony, what's your question for Julie? Yes, I bought a couple of hydrangeas last year, and I didn't cut them off. They're colored. One's pink, one's blue. Okay. Should I cut them off um, now? Uh, no, or I would leave them. them. Yeah, I'd leave them up because the hydrangeas, those those dry flowers, or at least the branches, give you a little bit of winter interest and something to look at when our landscape is pretty stark. And then in the spring, you'll start to see the buds get, they swell up and they start to open. And then you can cut them back to, you know, 12 inches, 18 inches, depending on how big the plant is. Okay. So you can just leave that up. That's, uh, there's a lot of things that we can leave up through the winter that look terrific, including things like perennials, like echinacea and uh, some of those, uh, uh, the, the plants that, that keep the heads on through the winter. They also add food for some of our overwintering birds as well. All right. So just leave them alone. Not hydrangea necessarily. Yeah. But. All right. Texter says, I have a peace plant that keeps growing but does not get flowers. Any suggestions? Um, that's a, a lower light plant. Uh, if you see them growing in their native habitat, I was out in uh, Hawaii where they grow pretty freely. In the landscape, they're an understory plant. Um, I would consider that it could use a little bit of fertilizer. Those plants, you want to be careful about uh, treating, watering them with um, 
with treated water. So this is water from your sink because they have a fluoride sensitivity and they tend to get a brown tip at the end of the leaf. We often see that. And uh, and peace lilies, I think it's really, look, you know, they may be uh, that they, uh, they probably just need some fertilizer to get them. Use about a half strength. And um, consider where they are located. Maybe they need a little bit more light. They might be in too dark a corner or... Um, or they possibly uh, could be needing repotting as well. So a couple things there, but yeah. <laughs> I was I'm waiting. thinking, I'm thinking yeah. here. I can see the wheels turning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would recommend also that if you have tropical plants and you want to read a little bit more about them, the University of Florida has a terrific site on that. Oh, Better okay. than Minnesota. We just, we're not tropi- tropical plant people yeah. necessarily. Makes sense. Kathy in St. Paul is uh, on the horn for Julie. Go ahead, Kathy. Hi. How are you guys? Good. We are good. Good. See, I have a question about um, dahlias. Um, yes. Last, this past summer, I had the most beautiful plant, and I did not plant it in the ground. I left it in the pot and put it in another container, and it did just fabulously. But I'd like to overwinter them, but in the past, when I've tried to save them, and I've you know, let them dry and then put them in vermiculite. It hasn't always worked. So I'm wondering, could I just cut back all the plant and then just leave them in the pot or no? I think you can. I'm actually looking right on our website. We have a Growing Dahlias publication. And just checking out here what it uh, what it indicates for keeping them over the winter. I think in most cases people do, as you said, take them out of the ground. And really, you're giving those uh, tubers a rest. And uh, and I think that, but I think you could leave them in the pots as well, as long as you're not, they're not actively growing. So maybe take a look at this publication. Yeah, I, I'm just reading through it right now, and I'm, I can't read that fast. So, um, but that, that might be an option. Just take a look at that. It's on our garden site. So it's extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, and it's going to be under flowers and under bulbs, and take a look at that publication and see if that helps you out. If not, you can always send a message to Ask Extension, and that link is at the bottom of our page, our garden site, our garden web page. That's kind of neat. Yeah, you can email it in, and one of us will answer that question. I might, or one of our master gardeners. So that's a great way to get any questions answered. You can also attach photos to those emails, and uh, and that helps a lot with diagnosing and identification. All right, Kathy, there you go. Texter, by the way, the text number is 81807. The phone number is 651-989-9226. Texter says, last week I severely cut down a tart of a hydrangea. Wrong thing to do. So what are its chances to make it, do you think? Well, tart of is a pretty pretty resilient hydrangea. And uh, it's a paniculata, meaning that the flowers are a panicle shape. They're kind of a like a triangle shape. And uh, and. Yeah, it, it'll probably be fine. If you're concerned about it at all, you can always pile some leaves around it uh, over the over the root zone area. That's fine. Uh, one thing I would recommend is that with some of these shrubs is that you want to screen them from animal browsing. Put a, a ring of fencing around them about four feet tall and uh, and sink that fencing down into the ground about an inch or so and to help prevent voles from crawling underneath the fencing and nibbling on those branches and, and the stems that are remaining. So that's a good thing to do. But I, Tardiva is a pretty good, pretty good hydrangea, pretty hardy, and you'll probably be, it'll probably be fine next year. Good. 
All right. Again, 651-989-9226. Text 81807. Texter says, some of my succulents are getting mush, I presume, mushy yellowed leaves that I can pinch off. You want to comment on that? Yeah, that's probably too much water. Ah. Yeah, succulents like to be dry, even though they have these kind of meaty leaves that you think, oh, they need more water. The best way to test uh, whether they need water is actually to feel the leaves. And if they're nice and firm, don't water. And if they're soft and bendable, uh, then you want to give it some water. And again, make sure, like the uh, previous caller, make sure that you have good drainage. And uh, and also those plants should be planted in a cactus-type soil. So there are mixes you can buy that are cactus mix. And they have a little bit more sand into them. They're better draining. And uh, and if you dug up those succulents right now, you rot from too much water. And that's another uh, situation. Then you'd want to transplant them, dig them up, look at the roots. If the roots are all brown and mushy, I would throw them away and get some new succulents. But if they're still healthy, just transplant them into some fresh soil. Okay. You're going to help me with this, Julie. What should one expect from a, some kind of a tree treatment as far as a warranty? Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Bob tree treatment. I'm not familiar with what a Bob tree treatment is. Um, I'm wondering if they are calling pollarding a Bob tree treatment. Pollarding is uh, where um, a pruner will go in and cut all of the branches, younger branches, down to the main branch. And you leave these kind of stumpy uh, branches and essentially that prompts growth right at those points. And actually, this is interesting. My mom and I were in uh, Sweden many years ago, 2001, and uh, we were actually we were in Norway. And my cousin lived there, and so we were uh, walking around and we noticed that their apple trees all were pollarded, and it was like looked really weird, and we weren't sure what they did. And uh, and in that respect, they uh, they said that the history of that is that uh, townspeople used to do that to gather firewood. Oh. So they cut all the branches off, use those for firewoods. The trees would produce new ones the next year. They just kept doing it. So I'm kind of wondering if that's what bob tree treatment is. Hmm. As far as a warranty goes, I can't say. You're going to have to talk to the person who did it for you and find out what the warranty is on that. The trees will usually, if it's a healthy tree, it usually responds back. But um, you'll have to speak to whoever did the work. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Certified arborist. Something Certified like arborist. Yep. 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 All right. Hang on, Julie. We have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go here on CCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard down near Jordan, Minnesota. They make that great patio furniture. Thank you for that. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension helping us out like she does often here on CCO. Yeah. We have callers, Always Julie. We have texters. Yeah, it is fun. People love it, too. They appreciate it. I see one line is open if you want to fill it, 651-989-9226. Lynn is calling from Rice Lake with a question for Julie. Go ahead, Lynn. Good morning. I have a crown of thorns that I've had for a few years, and it's not doing well. I've been gone a while, and so it's losing leaves. What can I do to help it along and save it? Well, if it, are the leaves turning yellow? Uh, yes. Okay, so um, water. first thing I would think of is watering, that maybe you're overwatering it. Um, and uh, and that also it might be uh, time to transplant it, which would not be a very fun job with crown of thorns. Uh, it could be that the soil has maybe become saturated or uh, you might have some root rot from overwatering. How often do you water it? 
Do we usually lose... water once a week. Yeah. Do you feel the soil before you water it? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, that's good. That's great. Um, it, yeah, I would want. I think if it's dropping a lot of leaves, then uh, it could be a watering situation. It may be. Did you move it from outdoors inside? No, it's 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 been indoors, but someone while I was gone for a while this summer moved it from where it had been sitting down to one spot lower. And so I'm wondering if that may have made a difference too. Yeah, it, it could have, except that it, it sounds like it was pretty pretty much in the same amount of light, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would check the roots. I would probably um, maybe uh, maybe not water it quite as often and then see if that seems to help with the dropping leaves. Sometimes plants just drop leaves also a little bit. I'm not sure how, how significant the leaf droppage is, but... Um, but yeah, oftentimes one of our biggest problems with houseplants is overwatering. And it's good you feel the soil. That's terrific because a lot of people just water on a schedule. But those are epiphytes, or not epiphytes, but um, euphorbias. And those are quite drought-tolerant plants. So it could be that maybe just water a little less frequently. Okay, very good. Thank you, Lynn. 651-989-9226 or send a text. We'll get back to the text screen too in a moment. That number, 81807. But Greg is calling from Staples. Greg, you're on with Julie. Yeah, I'd like to ask a question. We we live in sandy soil. In the last couple of years, our tomatoes, they grow tall, and they get fruit on them, but the fruit has been, the tomatoes turn black. And the other question is, as we're starting to grow, trying to grow sweet potatoes, would you start them in the house? Because they're a hundred and fifty day, I yeah. think, plant. I think starting the sweet potatoes in the house would be a good idea, so that you're starting with transplants instead of just putting the tubers in the ground. I think that's a good idea. Uh, as far as the tomatoes go, are they turning black? Are they getting red and then turning black on the bottom? Yeah. Okay, so that yeah. would be um, uh, probably blossom end rot, and that is a calcium deficiency but it's due to irregular watering. So do you have the, are they in the ground or are they in container? They're in the ground, I take it, because you talked about the soil mm-hmm. type. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they got cages around them. Okay. And then we, we I rigged up two sprinkler systems to um, get, okay. you know, water. I don't know, maybe we're watering too much. I don't know. Uh, if you're watering on a regular basis, that's great. That's terrific, and uh, and you should be watering at the base of the plant. Uh, kind of avoid the overhead watering. Um, it could be that there might be something else going on with the fruit, and uh, what I'd suggest is taking a look at our uh, tomato disease page on our extension sites and look at the photos. We have a, also a great diagnostic tool, tool called What's Wrong With My Plant, and it's on our garden web page, so that's extension.umn. Dot edu and click on garden and go to fruit or go to vegetables and uh, or you can go to what's wrong with my plant under diagnostic tools and that allows you to go through you can go ahead and click vegetables and then tomatoes and it shows a lot of great photographs and you'll probably find a picture of what you're seeing in your tomatoes and it will give recommendations or you know how to solve the issue or if there's if there's you know Maybe it's choosing a different type of tomato variety. Uh, could be also rotating your crop if you aren't rotating your tomatoes. 
Uh, the nightshade family tends to all, that's potatoes, tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, tomatillos, they all have similar diseases. And the diseases, it's basically completing the disease cycle by leaving those plants in the same location year after year. So you may, uh, I would encourage you to be rotating those plants into other planting areas. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Greg. 651-989-9226. Back to the text. Text number, by the way, 81807. Do orchids need transplanting? Mine has lots of roots. Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, they need transplanting when the bark has broken down and looks very much like soil and it just gets to be very small, fragmented pieces. And uh, having lots of roots is fantastic. That's a sign of a, a, a good, healthy plant, provided those roots are nice and firm and they've, uh, that they're you know branching out and they're not dried up and shriveled up. So, um, But sounds to me like I'm going to guess from the text that the roots are healthy. You want to just transplant when that bark starts to break down. Okay. Another text says, hi, I'm wintering my geraniums in a big box, bare roots. What's the best time and way to start them again for next spring? So probably in about February or March, you want to plant them in whatever containers they're going to be in and, uh, and go ahead and put them in a sunny window and start watering them. You might find that they're already sprouting a little bit of growth. Um, and then uh, and trim off anything that's dead. Uh, take a look at the roots and, and trans- plant them up and start watering. Okay. They should start leafing out. There's another hydrangea question. I have a problem a lot of people would like to have. I have a well-established <laughs> bed, but it is spreading and it has spread too far. Can the ones in the area beyond where I want them be transplanted? If yes, when and how? Uh, you would transplant those in the spring. You'd cut them down to a manageable size and then uh, and then just dig them up. It's going to be kind of hard work, um, and uh, but you can do that and you can transplant them and try to try to do that. It's better to try to transplant them if they're outgrowing their beds anyway, and uh, then you lessen some of the crowding. I would also encourage you to look in the center of that planting and look for ways that you can open up that planting somewhat to allow for other plants. There might be a couple of plants that are really close together, and you want to take one of those out carefully. If you want to call Julie, 651-989-9226, or send a text. Boy, a lot of people love the text method, 81807. (laughs) My mom, texter says, had to sell her house with a December closing. Is there any way to save the bulbs like tulips and iris? No, Can't unfortunately not. Yeah, our, mm-hmm. our soil is frozen for the most part or getting there. Digging them up would probably damage them. And I would just uh, look forward to planting some new, uh, new plants next year. I know there's a formula you were leading to, uh, alluding to off the air, but the texter says, good morning, I'd like to plant flocks alongside a front walk. <laughs> Weigh about 50 feet. I know that they spread, so approximately how many plants okay. would I need and when should I plant them? So is there a way to figure that out given yeah. the plant? Yeah, so you want to find out what you want to de- decide what flocks you want to plant and look at the information on the mature size of the spread of that plant. So how wide does that plant get? And then you want to place those plants, you want to space them appropriately on center so that you have enough space for that plant to grow to its mature size. It's going to look a little bare at first. Um, if it, you know, if it does, you can fill in with some annuals temporarily, but, um, but you want to basically, if they're 24 inch wide plants, you want to plant each one on 24 inches so that those plants can get to their mature size. They can touch a little bit, so you can tweak it a little bit, but, um, but really that's the best way to plant, especially flocks because they tend to get powdery mildew, some, uh-huh. of, them, some of the varieties. They need that air circulation and light. 
I know we have to break quickly, but I see a text now. I like garlic and I like mustard, but somebody <laughs> says, how do I eradicate garlic Dang. mustard? Yeah, so garlic mustard is a biennial. It's a it's a noxious weed. It's on the noxious ah. weed list. And, uh, and it is a plant that we want to control. And so when you see those small plants coming up in the spring, get out your broad leafer beside whatever brand you want and start targeting those plants and get them when they're young. Okay, very good. Hang on, Julie. We'll take a quick break, and our listeners as well. Our callers will get back to your questions, both the te- callers and texters in a moment. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We're back with our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension answering your lawn or garden questions by phone and by text, as usual. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. Or send Julie a text. She's got a whole bag full of those at 81807. Steve is calling from Andover, however. Uh, Steve, you're on with Julie. <laughs> Hello, thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, Steve. question is, um, I want to plant either pumpkins or watermelon in the uh, backyard. Is there one that I have a better chance of uh, being productive with or... Um, and the other thing is, how do you, what's the timing on it as far as planting? So, you know, the pumpkins come out in October and, you know. Sure. Yeah. So I am just uh, going to browse through our web page here because I, unfortunately, am not very good at growing um, pumpkins. So, uh, but we do have a nice publication on growing squash, zucchini, melons, cucumbers, and pumpkins, et cetera. That's actually part of the title. And uh, and in it, it's we've got all sorts of information about it, uh, growing melons in winter gardens, growing pumpkins in winter squash. So I would really strongly, Steve, take a look at those two publications on our site at extension.umn.edu. I'm just not super versed in those those crops, but um, I, I do know they both need quite a bit of water and they need a long growing season. And you can, uh, if you're running short on space for particularly the melons that are a little bit smaller, um, if you're growing a smaller variety like moons and stars, uh, you can trellis those and, um, and the fruits will grow actually uh, vertically instead of horizontally, which might save you a little bit of ground. So, All right. Um, yeah, take a look at that because that's going to give you some uh, better information than, than I can at this point. So. Earlier in the show, you were talking about succulents, and the texter says, talking about succulents, how do you trim them back or start new growth? So depending on the succulent, you can just pinch them back to a point uh, just above a couple of leaves. And uh, with the cutting that you've taken off is take off the bottom leaves so you have a fair amount of stem. And there's a product called Root Tone that you can buy. It's actually a rooting hormone. It's a powder. You dip the end of that cutting in a little water, dip it in the Root Tone, and then uh, have a nice uh, little pot of, say, wet sand, just damp sand. Or you can use a starting mix as well or vermiculite as well. And just drop that little, uh, make a hole in it, put that little cutting in there and keep that moist. Uh, you might want to cover it with a plastic bag to make a little kind of pseudo terrarium. And, uh, and then check it. And check it after about a week. Um, I take a popsicle stick and just gently lift up that plant. You don't want to pull it out because you might pull the roots off that have been forming. And once you see a good amount of roots on there, then pot it up in some appropriate soil. 
All right, back to the phones. Ken is calling from Lakeville with a question. Ken, you're on with Julie. Hey, good morning. I, uh, well, my wife and I, many years ago, planted a Harrelson yes. and a uh, wealthy apple tree and oh. a nice cherry tree. Very nice. And the, the problem I'm seeing is that over the past several years that each spring the apple trees drop 50 to 70% of their fruit. They get to maybe oh, about the diameter of a 50-cent piece. You maybe remember 50-cent pieces. Yep, I do. <laughs> and and uh, then they just fall off the tree all over the ground. And I, I've wondered if the tree is actually culling fruit that's infected by, you know, fruit flies and things, or if this is a nutritional shortcoming in our soil here. Um, uh, we have a problem with spraying because it's uh, we, we live on the east end of Lake Marion down here, and we, we're in a wind tunnel. Okay. So spraying is it's awkward and difficult to get that right. done re- right. re- uh, religiously, so to speak. So I'm just wondering if there's anything I'm missing here about uh, plant, plant nutrition or something. That... I I don't I don't think so. A lot of plants, uh, well, some trees will actually self prune, and uh, I had a honey crisp for a long time that would self prune. It would grow six or seven little apples in one bunch, and the tree just doesn't hang on to that many. I can't support that many apples. You don't want that many apples because then they're very small. Um, they're usually, uh, you want the energy of that tree to put as much energy into the worthwhile fruit. And uh, so I would say as long as that remaining 25, 50 to 25% is uh, are good apples and you're happy with that quantity, mm-hmm. then uh, I, I would think it would be all right. Um, we certainly have had enough water. And uh, the past uh, few summers have been quite rainy. You could put in some fruit steaks. Uh, they're uh, new, they're kind of like a, a solid kind of chalky uh, steak that you pound into the soil around the root zones. You read the directions on the packaging. Uh, there's a couple different brands out there. So you could put those in if you're concerned about that. But uh, I think your trees are simply self-pruning themselves. They just put out too many, too many flowers that get pollinated. You obviously have great pollination. And... Um, and so the the tree just can't hang on and support that many apples, so it self-prunes. Okay. We just have a couple of minutes to go. And, Julie, uh, you and I were talking about this, and this seems to be some common uh, uh, information here at this time of year. Why did my maple tree not turn bright red this fall? Oh, yeah. I noticed a lot common of them in the neighborhood question. did not turn, and they still had their leaves. What's, what do you think happened? So Mary Meyer, who's on the show, and she's uh, actually my supervisor, we were talking about this. Um, so trees will produce what's called an abscission layer between the petiole of the leaf and the point with the leaf attaches to the branch. Uh, that cuts off the chlorophyll to the leaves. Chlorophyll is one of the pigments. It's the green pigment in the leaf. Uh, and it, and once that chlorophyll is cut off, it masks the red pigments in the leaves, which gives us our nice red color. Um, and what happened this year is we had a sudden freeze, and those green leaves are remaining green. That chlorophyll is frozen into those leaves, and that abscission layer never forms. So the abscission layer is what will also create the leaves to fall off the tree and uh, cause them to do that. And so uh, that's why they're still on the on the tree, and that's why they're still green. Have you seen a lot of that evidence We've of that We've seen yourself? quite a bit. We've had a lot of questions about that. It's just kind of an odd situation with the weather. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the trees. It's just in the spring those leaves will fall off and, and the new leaves will emerge. What do you think about adding gravel to the bottom of potted plants for, for drainage? I think that's okay. Uh, as long as you use a good potting soil and have sufficient holes in a pot, you don't really need to add gravel. Okay. 
You know, we are just about out of time, and I we always like, as you already have done a couple of times this morning, recommend the website, the U of M website, yes. because you know what? This time of year, well, it's great reading any yeah, time, yeah, it's but a good you time know, to read. for prepping for next <laughs> yeah. year. Uh, yeah, what, what exactly. Is that well, the extension dot uh, umn dot edu is the website, and click on the garden tab. We actually on our yard and garden news blog, we just posted a um, a post about favorite reference books of our extension team. Mm. So I've got a couple in there. Uh, a couple other folks uh, posted them in there, and so take a look at that if you're looking for a great uh, kind of maybe a, a good recommendation for a book for somebody for the holidays or you're looking for something for yourself, we've got about half a dozen up there that are kind of fun. Excellent. Good deal. Yeah. Am I going to see you next week? Yes, I well, will be here. Julie will be back next week answering more of your questions. That website one more time. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab. And if you don't get your questions answered, ask Extension. Good deal. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.